apparently there's a lot of people that think fishing is boring. And those people are wrong. I, I'm just being serious. I, I think when people think fishing is boring, it's, it's probably just because they had a really bad experience. They went with somebody that didn't know what they were doing and they didn't catch fish. And they're like, man, we just sat there all that time and we didn't catch anything. It was, it was really boring. And I was lucky, my dad was a great fisherman when I was little and, and when he took me, like, we always caught fish. Uh, there was, there was a, a couple of times where he would get me started and I would catch so many fish that he hadn't had time to actually do any fishing because he would take one off and then put me back out in the water and I was so little I was just catching the fish reeling them in this is awesome and I caught like nine in a row and I said dad I'm tired can we go he goes lay down on the boat boy (laughs) they were really really biting and there's just I think if you think fishing is boring you you probably don't have an accurate picture of what it's supposed to look like because Fishing, if, if you're doing it right, like, I don't, I don't think it's boring at all. And I, it's not just because I love fishing. It's because I think there's so much challenge involved in fishing. I think you, you have to be patient. And I think that's where a lot of people like, oh, man, this patience part. I just can't sit and wait. I can't, I can't do that. But you have, to, you have to have some patience. This, this doesn't just like, it's not just automatic. Sometimes you have to be patient enough to like wait for wait for the right time. Sometimes you have to be patient enough to try multiple spots. You have to you have to you have to persevere a little bit. You have to be a little bit tough. Sometimes, especially if you're fishing on a big lake, like you have to go to a lot of different spots before you really find the fish or find the pattern or find the way that they're actually biting that day. And uh, you know, a bass a bass fisherman doesn't sit and just throw his line out there and wait. Like he's constantly working. He's constantly throwing out there. Constantly trying different things. Trying to. That's why. That's why we have tackle boxes with so many lures. It's actually a necessity, believe it or not. I, I know you may have been told, you may have thought, no, it really, we have to have all these things because you just never know what they're gonna bite. And so it's, it takes some perseverance. You gotta move around. You gotta do a lot of different things with that. It takes courage to be a fisherman, especially in the, in the New Testament day. These guys were out on the Sea of Galilee, which is also, it's really just a big lake, but it was such a big lake and the mountains around it created these horrible storms. And we've read about those in the New Testament where they thought they were gonna die out there. And so they, they kinda called it a sea because of the waves and some, some of the stuff that would happen out there. And it took a lot of courage to be a fisherman to get in this wooden boat and get out there and try to catch fish and try to do that for a living. There's, there's a lot of courage involved and there's, there's a skill set involved. It's not just, man, I just hope this works. I'll just throw something out there and see if something bites. There's a skill set to fishing. The timing's got to be right. The presentation's got to be right. Even if you're, back in those days, fishing with a cast net, you can't just, you got to practice that. It takes quite a bit of uh, skill and hand-eye coordination to throw that net out there in the right way to catch the fish. There's a lot of that involved. There's also, you got to kind of at least be a little bit stealthy, which is why I wore a fish camouflage shirt today, because I don't want the fish to see me coming. I want to sneak up on them as much as possible. You can't just go yelling, screaming, knocking stuff in the water and just hope that, uh, you know, you might actually scare the fish away. And so you gotta, you gotta have some tact. You gotta have some grace about you to be a fisherman. And so a lot of those things are just, you may have had this one mindset. You just sit down on a chair and you throw something out there and you just wait. And that's not really a picture of fishing today and it's not the picture of fishing back then either. It's, it's quite a challenge and quite a skill set involved. And maybe, maybe, 
That's why Jesus called fishermen to be his first disciples, maybe. Because maybe there was something about them and their approach to their profession that would make them good at what Jesus was gonna call them to do. Because in so many ways, this, this fishing analogy that Jesus uses here, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, it, it's, it goes all the way through. Like we, we need to be patient. We need to, we need to trust God in that process. We need to persevere. We can't give up easy. Like we're gonna continue to be fishers of men. We're gonna continue to cast the net. We're gonna continue to uh, be on mission. We're gonna continue those things. We're gonna have to have courage because man, sometimes it's a really scary thing, isn't it? To think that God's gonna use me in the mission, we have to have courage. We have to have some skill. Like we, we need to learn. We need to know how we're doing this. We need to be equipped with the right um, knowledge, in order to share, in order to be on mission. And we, we have to have some tact. I mean, we're not, we're not trying to sneak up on them and surprise them with the gospel, scare them. You don't have to wear a Bible flodge or whatever that might look like. Like you just, but you also like, we don't wanna just stand on the street corner with a megaphone. I, I, we've, we've seen that, I just, I just don't see it working. I think there's some tact involved. And maybe that's why Jesus called these first disciples from fishing into this life. And I want us to look at that. I want us to look at that story. It's a familiar story to most of us of Jesus calling these disciples and climb into the story and, and talk about what this looks like for us today to follow Jesus this way, this call that Jesus makes on them to follow him. And, that, and, and that's what it is first and foremost. Jesus calls us first and foremost to follow him. So before we can talk about the task, before we can talk about the mission, before we can talk about what Jesus wants us to do, we need to at least understand that Jesus is calling these guys to follow him. And that, that following him is gonna change everything. Now, in this story, it's very, very specific, isn't it? Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, this lake, and he sees these fishermen and he calls them specifically, Peter, Andrew, James, John, you guys, you fishermen, I want you to come and follow me. There might have been other people there. I don't really know. We weren't there. I don't know what the setting was, but he called those guys specifically to be his disciples in a very specific way for a very specific task for a very specific season. For this three years of ministry, he's going to get this group around him that are going to be his disciples that he's going to pass this mission off to in the end. And so he's calling them very specific. But for us, we need to understand, that's what the Bible talks about. The Bible talks about a call that Jesus makes on all of us to follow him. That it's, it's not exactly the same. Jesus isn't calling us to, uh, to follow him and just like go out. There's a lake out in East Texas called Lake Palestine. And so we don't, we're not called to just wander around that lake. But Jesus is calling us the Bible says that the call on all of us is to be a disciple, is to be a follower of him. So the specific call that Jesus makes is a general call that becomes, because it's for all of us, a specific call for you and me. So when you see this story and you see how it changes everything for them, their lives are never the same as a result of this call, as a result of them being obedient to this call then we have to embrace that truth for us, that it's a call for us to follow him and it should change everything about our lives. It should change the way we view the world, it should change the way we see the world, it should change the way we interact with the world, it should change the way we parent, it should change the way we uh, serve at our jobs, it, could, it should change us from Monday 
through Saturday just as much as it does on Sunday. It's a call that Jesus makes on our lives to follow him, to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. And for these guys, it, it changed everything. If you look in the second half of this passage, you see it kind of switching from the specific call to this broad ministry that Jesus started developing in all of Galilee. And you see some specific things that Jesus' fame as a teacher and as a healer and as a worker of miracles, it began to really grow and it began to spread. It was spreading to Syria, across the Jordan, the, the Decapolis, those 10 cities over there, the Galilee, Jerusalem, Judea, all that area. Everybody was hearing about this. And it says that great crowds began to follow him. But there was a difference, wasn't there? Sometimes Jesus has great crowds following him and sometimes they hear him say something and they're like, oh, I don't want anything to do with that and they go away, but the disciples are there. Jesus calls them to follow him and they follow him because he called them and they follow them because they believe him. They believe he's the Messiah. They believe he's the one that's come. They don't understand what that looks like yet. They don't understand what the calling's gonna mean yet, but they believe, I think, remember Andrew said that in John, hey, I found the one. I found the Christ, I found the Messiah. And so they believe he's the Messiah. The crowds gathered and they followed him because he was feeding them, because he was healing them, because he was doing all these miracles, because he was teaching with authority. These crowds came and these crowds went based on what Jesus was doing for them in that moment. But what Jesus is doing is he's calling us to follow him because we believe who he is. And we, we have the other side of the story. They believe he was the Messiah. They didn't even understand what the Messiah was gonna do. Now we know what the Messiah came to do. We know that he came to die on a cross in our place, on our behalf, taking the punishment, paying the penalty that we should have had to take and pay. And because of who he is, we follow him. Because he's the Messiah, he's the Savior, because he's our only hope that we had no chance. And sometimes it's easy for us to follow him when it seems like things are working well, it seems like he's giving us what we need on a daily basis, or just the things that he can do for us. It makes us like, yeah, I want to follow him because I know he can do this. He can straighten things out. He can help me. He can, he can bring me peace. He can, he can get me through this tough time. He can do all those things. But ultimately, if we're going to stay with him, we're going to follow him because of who he is as Messiah and Savior and Lord. And that's what these guys, he didn't do anything for them that day except call them away from everything that they knew was comfortable. And following him, is, it looks like that. It's a call to follow him in everything. And don't ignore who he called. I mean, we just talked about that in the beginning, right? Like maybe it was because they were fishermen that he called them because they were gonna maybe they already had some of the things that it was gonna take, maybe had some of the inherent traits that it was gonna take for them to be involved in this mission. But ultimately, I don't know for sure about that. But I knew that these guys were, they were just ordinary guys. They, I mean, in this story, they're just two guys parked out by the lake, maybe 80 miles from Santa Fe. I mean, they're just, they're just sitting there parked out by the lake, they're just mending their nets, they're with their boat, whatever and Jesus calls ordinary guys. Don't, don't misunderstand that. That's not the lowest of the low. It, sometimes we, we look at these guys and we're like, oh, just some uneducated redneck fishermen. I mean, they got a, they got a boat, they got, they're fishing for a living, they're providing for their family. This is a job, this, is, this might be middle class in that 
society. They're not the lowest of the low. They're not the, they're not the religious elite, and we know that. They're not the scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, all the people that you would expect him to call to be his disciples. No, 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 he just goes to the ordinary guy. He just goes right to the fishermen, the salt of the earth type of people. That's who Jesus calls. That's who he calls today. Us. Ordinary. That's who the call is extended to. All of us. We're all welcome to follow him. It'll change everything. When you understand who he is, what he's accomplished, it'll change everything when you follow him. But he calls you and he calls me. It's not... It's so easy to sit here and listen to me say that and go, yeah, that's for somebody else that knows more and has been doing this a long time. It's got more Bible knowledge, older in their faith. No, no, no. This calls for everyone, from the fisherman to the PhD. This, this, this call is for everyone. And that truth is really important when you look at what Jesus says. That truth that Jesus calls every single one of us, all the ordinary people in the room to follow him is really true when you consider this, that Jesus calls us to follow him on mission. That this call to follow him is a call to join the mission. It's it's not less than that. It's not just believing some facts about him. Oh, I think that he is that person and so I'm gonna believe that and I'm gonna... Okay, no, if you're gonna follow him, what Jesus says here, come follow me and I'm gonna make you fishers of men. It's a call to follow him on a mission. And this is not the only place we see this. We see this all throughout the Bible. When, when Paul's talking about the ministry of reconciliation, how God reconciled us to Christ, to, to himself through Christ, he says, and he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He's given us the message of reconciliation. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are therefore his ambassadors, God making his appeal to a lost world to be reconciled through us. That's what God is doing. And so there's this idea that if you've been reconciled to God because of Jesus Christ, if you've been brought back into right relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ did and you've placed your faith and trust in him, then you've been given a ministry. You've been given a message. You are now his ambassador wherever he's put you to make him known. The Bible talks about that over and over and over again. Acts chapter one, verse eight. It's one of the places you see it as clearly as any. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I love that verse because it doesn't say, oh, and when the Holy Spirit comes, you're gonna have power and from time to time, you can do some Ministry. You can, be a, you can do some witnessing. You can do some missions. Now what he says is, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, and that happens for the, when you become a believer, when that happens, you will be his witnesses. It's transforming you into a, a new person. Your identity now is on mission with Jesus. I'm a follower, so I'm on mission. Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And I love the fact that Jesus says, I'll make you fishers of men because these guys aren't gonna figure that out for a while, are they? I mean, we're gonna watch this story develop as we go through Matthew and they're gonna really be confused. They thought the Messiah was gonna do this and he was not doing that. They, they don't understand the path that he's on. They just don't have that yet. 
At the very beginning, they're not gonna be very compassionate. They're not gonna be very ministry-minded with other people. They're like, send them away, Jesus, send them away. We don't have any food, send them away. Like, they're, they're not gonna get this at the beginning. Jesus says, come follow me. You don't have to have this figured out right now. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna teach you. I'm gonna show you what this looks like. This is a mission I'm calling you to, and I'm gonna make you a fisherman. I'm gonna form you and shape you and conform you into this missional person that I desire for you to be. You're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Power is the source. You're not gonna say, hey, go out and do some witnessing and good luck with that. Go out and join me on this mission and good luck. No, you're gonna have everything you need to join the mission because the power of the Holy Spirit's gonna indwell you. So Jesus doesn't leave us on our own on this mission when we engage it. He gives us everything we need. He's gonna teach us, he's gonna conform us, he's gonna make us fishers of men if we decide to follow him, if we choose to follow him and follow him in everything, he's gonna do that for us. But what you see ultimately is that missions is not an elective. We think about that incorrectly a lot, don't we? I got the essentials and then there's some electives in the Christian experience that are kind of interesting to me. I think I might wanna take an elective in missions one day. Like that's for the elite, that's for the super Christian, that's for the crazy people, right? No, missions are not elective, it's the calling of God. The call to follow him is the call to follow him on mission. The question is, are we, are we obedient to that or not? I mean, this, this truth, maybe not specifically this passage, but this truth that you see in all of scripture is what, Man, it's so foundational to how we started this church, to why we started this church, to what we wanted to see our church become as a church on mission. And man, four and a half years, we've done some really cool things. God has used us to do some really cool things. We have so much more work to be done. And that's one of the reasons why we take our students every year for spring break and we do this launch box thing to go serve refugees in Fort Worth. Most of them have never heard the gospel. They come from countries you can't even get into as a missionary. And they've come over here as refugees, fleeing for their lives for one reason or another. And they've landed there, 5,000 plus refugees in Fort Worth. And our students take spring break, give up spring break and all the craziness they could do that week. And they go and they serve refugees. Not just because we wanna keep the youth busy, keep them out of trouble. It's because we want to engage this mission. We want to raise up a group of students, a generation of students that engages this mission. Man, adults have taken time off, taken vacation to go and serve alongside them. That's coming up. I mean, it's coming up really, really soon. March, is, March will be here before we know it. And there will be another chance for us to engage the mission that God has put in front of us. Well, we've had people going to Honduras and we've had people from our church going to Germany. We've had, we have people, students in our church this summer, they're going to Japan and Honduras and all different places uh, as well as Germany. We have an opportunity for you this summer. It's specifically a student trip, but Kai and I were just talking about like, if you wanna go, you wanna engage with, alongside of our students in Munich, Germany, which is also a work with mostly refugees and internationals from all over the world, North Africa, Middle Easterns. We, we have a, a, a spot for you. We have an opportunity for you at the end of July, this summer, to go. Go with your student. Encourage your student to go. Go with your student. Go with your family. Bring your family. Like, come talk to Kai or myself about that. Let's just be a people that understand that following Christ means engaging the mission. It means being on mission. It means joining the mission. And it's, it's nothing less than that. It's always that. 
In the context of what Jesus is saying here and how he's calling them, I think you could say this, that if you're following, then you will be fishing. If you're following, you will be fishing, which means that the opposite is also true. If you're not fishing, you might not be following. Just stop and think about that for a second. The Bible teaches if you're following Jesus, you're on mission with him. If you're following, you're fishing. So if you're not fishing, if you're not on mission, if that's not even on your radar, then you need to at least ask the question, am I really following him? Am I just giving him lip service? Or am I following him in all things? Because to follow him, that's what it looks like, engaging the mission. This, This mission is for every nation, every tribe, and every tongue to hear. All the nations will hear. That's God's target. That's his focus. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, even to the end of the earth. Jesus is going to point his disciples. They're not going to get it for a long time. He's going to point them continually to all the nations. And so we as a church want to embrace the mission and be on mission right here in our community and all the way across the world. It has to be both. It can't be one or the other. It has to be both if we're going to embrace the mission from a biblical perspective. Jesus calls us to follow him on mission. I love what it says here. He calls them, Peter and Andrew, and says they immediately left their nets and followed him. And then he goes a little bit further and he sees John, James, and he calls them. And it says the same thing. Immediately they left their boat and their father and they followed him. Jesus calls us to follow him immediately. I don't know what it is about us, but we hear things all the time. We come on Sundays and we hear things that are true from God's word and we know, you know what, I need to do that. I need to put that into practice. I need to, I need to be obedient here. There's some things I'm missing in my life that I need to get right, I need to start doing. There's some things that I miss, I, I, I'm, I'm doing that I need to stop doing. There's always this, if we're listening, the Holy Spirit is working in our lives to, to point us in the direction we're supposed to go, to encourage us, to push us, to convict us. If we're really listening when we come on Sundays and we sit under the teaching of his word, that's what's happening. But for some reason, we'll hear those things and we'll go, yeah, I need to do that. And then we don't. Another few days, another few weeks, another few months go by, and then we're waiting for January to make a New Year's resolution again. Jesus calls to follow, his call is to follow him immediately. And th- this week, I was, I was convicted about something. I, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. And everything in me, I don't know why, but everything in me said, well, I'll just start that another time. And I, by the grace of God, because I don't do this very often, I actually just said, no, I'm going to start doing this today. And that's what it's supposed to look like for me. I wish it did all the time. And for all of us. When Jesus calls us, we're supposed to respond immediately. We're supposed to respond in obedience. When Jesus says to his disciples in John 15, 14, he's kind of talking about what it means to follow him, and he uses the word friends, which is kind of the same thing. He says, you're my friends or you're my followers if you do what I command you. And one of the marks of us following him is that we're obeying. Yep. It's by the power of the gospel and it's 
by being gospel-centered, it's never leaving the gospel, and we know that we can't do it on our own, but the truth is that obedience is a part of it. Obedience is our response to the gospel. When Jesus tells us things, and we see things, and we know we're supposed to be doing things, and we know we're supposed to stop doing things, what Jesus is calling us to do is obey immediately. They heard him call, and immediately they left and followed him. So what is that for you? I wish I could answer it, but I don't have to, because the Holy Spirit will answer it right now. And Jesus is calling you to do this. He's calling you to a step of obedience right here, right now. Maybe it's just something simple. Maybe it's something practical. Maybe it's something easy. Maybe it's some change that you need to make tomorrow morning, and you, you know because the Holy Spirit's teaching you. He's walking you through this. And you know that this is, a, that this is the way you're supposed to live. You know this is how you're supposed to respond. Maybe there's some simple step of obedience that you need to take this afternoon, tomorrow morning, on Wednesday. But you need to do it immediately. What does that look like for us? And will we be disciples that follow him with this, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to obey. I'm going to do what he says. I'm, I'm, I'm a friend. I'm a follower. And so I'm going to follow him immediately. What is it that you might need to obey him on right now? What is it that you might need to start doing? What is it that you might need to stop doing? What is it you might need to change your whole viewpoint about something? His calls to follow him immediately. And his calls to follow him at all costs. You can't ignore that in the story. Jesus calls us to follow him at all costs. I want you to see that. Verse 19, he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. So they're fishermen, they need their nets to do their job. I don't want to, I'll just leave the net there and they're gone. They left their net, they left their job, they left their profession behind. Cost them that in that moment. Verse 21, and going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, They were in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat. If you know anything about fishermen, you know that this just got real serious real fast. Like, I can can lose a rod and reel every now and then. But if I had a boat, I wouldn't be leaving the boat. Not without a really, really good reason. And man, you go down in East Texas and you see some people and like, you talking about leaving my boat. No, I'm never leaving my boat. Like that's, they left their boat, y'all. I'm trying to convey the significance of this. That's a big deal. And then it gets even bigger. They left their father and they followed him. They're, they're leaving their family behind. And their father, like, he's ready to hand the business off to them. There's, there's co-workers in this thing. So they're leaving family, and they're leaving their job, and their profession, and everything. Boat, net, we don't need it anymore. We've got a different mission. We've got a different purpose. It costs them to leave all that behind. A lot of risk involved. I don't know if this is going to work. Like, this is providing for my family. How are we going to provide for our family? He says, like... I don't even have a place to lay my head. What, what, what's this going to look like? It, there's a lot of risk involved. Do you know what? There had to have been some cost involved with old Zebedee as well. So he watched his two boys, who's, those are the guys working his business. He's going to hand it off to them when he's ready to retire. 
They're just walking away. They're just done. They're leaving him. They're leaving the boat. They're leaving everything. Maybe there was a lot of cost for him that day as well. And I got to thinking about that. (laughs) As parents, our job is to raise our kids for the mission. Our job is to raise our kids to follow Christ. We know that. But here's what the Bible says. To follow him is to join the mission. So as parents, our ultimate job is to point our kids to the mission so much so that we would be okay with them leaving someday for the mission. And I don't don't know if we're always that comfortable with that idea. Well, they can go join the mission as long as they live in the same zip code. I can see them every weekend. I want to see my grandkids. I get it. I understand it. They can leave them, join the mission as long as they're safe. Because I, man, as, as the dad, I got to keep everybody safe. And we should. Like, that should be important to us. We should be concerned about the safety of our families and this world that we live in. It's crazy, right? But that can't be ultimate because that's not ultimate for God in the Bible. The mission. God's glory, his worship. That's ultimate. There are people in the world that do not worship our God. They're completely missing it. They have no idea how great he is. Many of them have never even been told. And that has to be ultimate. Above our safety and of our... All the things the Bible says about our children, all the things the Bible says about raising our children, and all, I, one of the things that I, I think sometimes we, we like it, but we also kind of ignore it a little bit, is found in Psalm 127, verses three through five. We love three and five. I'm not sure we always love four. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb a reward. That, that means children are a blessing. At least on Sunday morning, we can all say, yes, I agree with that. On Sunday morning, they're mostly a blessing. (laughs) Now, we know that that's true. It's a blessing. Verse 4, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Okay, let's come back to that. Verse 5, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Good job on that one, Crosspoint. You are doing well. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Children are a blessing. We should fill our quiver with them, but they're arrows. You don't keep the arrows in the quiver. You don't keep the arrows in the safe. You use the arrows in the battle. Our job as raising children is to create little arrows that we shoot into the world to push back the darkness. That that would be our goal. So, we, man, we gotta do all the things. We gotta teach them the Christian worldview. We gotta help them understand how to defend their faith. We gotta do all the things. But it's not for their holy huddle and not to keep them safe and keep the world out, but it's to shoot them as arrows into the world to push back the darkness. Man, I don't know about you, but that changes my whole view of parenting. It changes everything I think about parenting when I think about this as ultimate, the mission, God's glory among the nations. My kids are arrows. So I want to give them all the foundational truth that they need. 
And I want to give them a heart for the nations. I want to point them and I want to release them. I want to launch them. I want to give them every experience possible so that they connect those dots. That's why I, I'm going to send my kids to LaunchBox. And that's why my kids have gone overseas. It's not just because I lead this ministry called IGO. It's because I believe that that's what our kids are supposed to do. That that's what we're supposed to do as parents. So Jesus calls us to follow him at all costs. And I think I've even made this joke here maybe several years ago about the disciples and how, was it really that hard to leave because they seemed to not be very good at fishing? Have you ever seen that in the Bible? It says they went out all night and caught nothing. They're like, they fished like me. Like, man, no luck again. So is it that hard to leave? Well, they're still leaving their equipment, their job, their family. But I wonder if sometimes it's actually harder for us to leave because we're so successful. That maybe there was a part of that. They're like, man, we're not the greatest fishermen. Let's do, let's do something. But sometimes, man, we got so many good things and we have so much comfort in our lives and everything's going so well that it's really hard to step outside of that comfort zone and engage the mission because it might cost us some things. And sometimes our affluence and our success may actually be a hindrance to our mission. This call to follow Jesus has a cost involved. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Y'all don't need to be quitting your jobs tomorrow. I'm just gonna hang out at the church all the time. Now, we don't want that, nobody wants that. You don't want that. This call was specific for these guys. He's, Jesus is establishing his kingdom and he starts with 12 guys. So it may not mean, I'm not saying it doesn't always mean, sometimes it does mean I'm gonna leave everything that I've got and I'm gonna go do this. Sometimes there's a specific call to go live on the mission field. Sometimes there's a specific call to go into the ministry, which that job is really to equip the people actually doing ministry. So it may sometimes mean that you do leave everything like these guys, but more often than not in our culture, what I think it means is it changes everything about how you go to work. It changes everything about it to know that I'm going to work not just to provide for my family or not because I'm good at this or I'm talented or I have a degree, but I'm going to work because I'm on mission. And if you go to work in some of your settings truly on mission, it'll probably cost you some things. Maybe that's what it looks like for us. To engage the mission means to go to work Monday morning with a completely different mindset. Not with a megaphone. Put on some Bible flodge and go in and be salt and light so that God can use you to point people to the greatness of his glory. Maybe that's what it looks like and maybe that will cost us some things, but when you understand this calling, you understand it's worth it. Pastor David Platt said it this way, radical obedience to Christ is not easy. It's not comfort, it's not health, it's not wealth, and not prosperity in this world. Radical obedience to Christ risks losing all these things, but in the end, such risk finds its reward in Christ, and he is more than enough for us. I think... 
when you look at this text and you look at what all we've been talking about, I think that it's, it's kind of both. Like There may be some very simple, practical, tomorrow steps of obedience for all of us. And there may be some radical steps of obedience that God's calling us to as well. I pray that the Holy Spirit will lead us, we'll talk to each other, we'll figure that out together. What does it mean for me to obey tomorrow, immediately? And what does it mean to be radically obedient to Christ and his call, no matter what the cost? Let's pray. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for the call. You don't need any of us. Your mission would be fine without us. But in your plan, you want all of us involved in it. You want to give us a part in your amazing story. God, as the truth of that call sinks in with us today, I pray that we would respond with obedience. Immediate. Trusting. God, that we would be willing and ready to follow you no matter what that looks like, no matter what the cost, no matter where we go, no matter, God, that we'd just be ready. And you would, you would raise up a people at Crosspoint that would be light in the darkness and be salt in this world that needs it. You raise up a people on mission. You raise up families on mission. You raise up a generation of Students that would be arrows pushing back the darkness in the battle. And God, that you would do that for your glory. Not for ours, not just, just so that we can obey you for your glory in all the earth. And God, I'm thankful that when we think about what you've done, what, what Jesus Christ did for us, that the truth is you've, you've made it really, really easy for us to trust you and obey if we'll think about who you are and what you've done, it's easy. And when we think about that, God, we'll respond by being willing to follow you anywhere. And we ask that in the name of Jesus. Amen.